0: Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected. And a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. A baptism service right outside that we're going to be celebrating a lot of our students, uh, the decisions they made for Jesus Christ at camp. And we have some food. We're going to have a lot of fun. I know it's kind of hot outside, but if you'll just hang out for a few minutes just to give them a big hand uh, after church and what God's done in their life, because they're sharing openly, declaring openly what God's done in their life. And we want to make sure we receive that and we encourage them and we shake their hands and we hug them and we tell them we're proud of them to be part of this church family. Amen, church? Amen. So let's make sure we're a part of that. And then i want to ask you to look, if you have a Bible, open up to 1 John chapter three, but while you're turning there, I wanna invite you personally. Uh, Kim and I are doing a, married, uh, a marriage class for the next five weeks on Wednesday nights at 6.30 uh, called The Five Love Languages. I hope that you could come to some, if not all of them. We're gonna have a great, great time. Uh, reading some things from the Word of God, going through this study together, being an encouragement to one another, sharing some conversations about how we can be better husbands and wives to each other. And my wife said she has a long list for me, and I'm really looking forward to that. But I know that you'll really enjoy that, so be here with us. We do have child care provided. 630, Wednesday night, I hope you're there. So that song, Summer Breeze, another great summer song that we're using to introduce our sermons this month. Uh, I'm wearing, I told somebody today, they said, You know, because I always identify myself as a a Philly sports fan, and I got my jersey on today. And one reason I'm wearing my jersey, because these guys are putting on their jersey for Jesus when they get baptized. Another reason I'm doing that's really for an illustration. When Kim and I were missionaries in the Philippines years ago, one of the things that we learned about the Philippines, and I'm not saying this disrespectfully about the country, but it had a reputation, uh, being a third world country, uh, it was one of the most... Um, had the highest amount of exports from their country of, of goods that were counterfeit. Uh, they, they really had a reputation for that. You could go just about anywhere. And the, the, one of the reasons we knew this was we had guests come from the United States all the time and visit us. Our first year, I think we had 20 groups that came and, and did ministry with us there. But one of the things that just about everybody wanted to do, they wanted to go down to the Chungi shops and buy uh, jerseys from professional ball teams, uh, football jerseys and all kinds of things like that. Um, purses and different things like that, but they were all knockoffs. Every single one of them was. And it was kind of funny cause they'd go home with a bunch of stuff and they'd call, call me up a couple months later. Hey, this stuff doesn't, you know, when I washed it, it busted up. I said, well, that's because it's a knockoff. That's the whole point of it, right? You paid $2 for something that if you bought in the United States, it would cost you $200 for you get what you pay for, right? And this idea of being a counterfeit is something that we're gonna talk about in this passage today in 1 John chapter three. So I'm gonna read verses one through 10 for you this morning, and you can uh, follow along with me on the screen or in your Bible if you have one with you today. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. That was a, that was a song in Sunday school. Anybody remember that song in Sunday school? Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Okay, I'm old. Anyway, um, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Behold, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we will know that when when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, but just as he is righteous, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God, was made or was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil, whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Uh, little children in this uh, children of God, the children of the devil are made manifest. whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Now we're gonna, as we look at this thing I, I called my message to say the great pretenders because i think that and this is i think this is really relevant for us today because i think that it's really really easy to go to church to identify yourself as a Christian, it's almost like identifying yourself into a people group, right? Some of you would say this morning maybe that you're Italian. How many Italians do we have in the room this morning? We got any Italians in here? Saying that for Johnny and Tino, okay. Uh, you know, whatever your background is, that's who you identify with. And really, a lot of religious backgrounds, people almost identify them as culturally. I remember when I was growing up, everybody that I grew up around was Catholic, Hey, where are you from? Well, I'm Catholic, and that was really part of their nature. Maybe you understand that as well, uh, being whatever your background is, right? But it's, it's one thing to say that, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I go to church. Yes, I believe the Bible is true. Yes, I try to live a good life. Yes, I'm trying to do the right things. And those are all honorable things. There's nothing wrong with anything that I said. But it's a whole different thing to say, I'm a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and my life belongs to him. I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior, and I'm trying the best that I could do every single day to live a life that honors him, a reflection of the one who gave his life for me, right? That's a whole different thing than saying that I'm a Christian and identifying yourself with a group of people that believe in God as a cultural thing. And as we understand that this morning... I want to give you three reasons really, really quick this morning because it's a little bit of a longer service with the awesome message from Johnny and our students and our worship was great this morning. We want to get out there and get baptized in before it turns 100 degrees outside, somebody say amen, right? But I want to give you three reasons this morning, and here's the key word, to live an authentic Christian life. Authenticity. You know, young people, I wanna tell you this about students, and I know I'm so far removed, I'm reminded of that all the time, and some of you feel the same way, how removed we are from youth culture, right? Year after year after year, the older we get, we feel so far removed from them, but I'm gonna tell you something that they look for, they admire, and they long for, authenticity. Because they know when we're faking. Right, they know it in their schools. When you have somebody's fronting you, or, or you know, trying to be something they're not, and, and they're just living a fake life, you can tell that. You can tell that about adults when they, you know, when they when they speak like teachers or different people that are in your life that are adults that maybe talk to you in a condescending tone, Yay. right? Or look down on you, or like you ever have somebody look at you and talk to you, but as soon as they, you know, you can kind of tell they're talking about you. Can you believe what they're wearing? Da 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 da. I know they're wearing those pants to church because they're holy. Holy is the Lord, right? And all, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? But they know what authenticity is. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, church, we understand, all of us in this room understand and recognize when people are being authentic, authentic with us. Not just platitudes, not just, you know, saying the things that we're supposed to say, but really somebody that's really living an authentic life. So I'm going to give you three reasons this morning for us to live an authentic life that reflects the life of Jesus Christ that is called a holy life. It's very simple. If you know the three parts of God, they are God the Father, Same with me. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Very, very good. Y'all get an A this morning, okay? So we're gonna talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit this morning. Three reasons to live an authentic life very, very simply is this. Number one, God the Father loves me. God the Father loves you in verses one through three, it just starts off by saying, behold, what manner of love the father has given unto us. This is, this is a really neat thing to understand and comprehend this morning. How much love did God give us, right? Uh, There's different ways that I try to demonstrate love to my grandkids, to my children that are adults now, to my wife, to different people in my life. And I, and I want to, I want to be authentic when I'm demonstrating that love. I don't just want to you know, like I said, give platitudes or, or, or different things like that. But authentic love is really felt and understand by people, right? So when I'm spending time with my grandkids, want you know, when we were at the beach this week, my, my my granddaughter Logan looked at me. She says, "Pop, I really would like you to get down in the sand and build a sand castle with me." Now I got to tell you something. I didn't want to do it. I didn't, didn't want to get off my chair. I bought the best beach rocking chair that my. It is the best, best, best chair. It is so comfortable, I was sitting in the shade, I had a cold iced tea. She's sitting out in the sun melting and I'm just watching her sweating and I'm going, man, I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna do this. She said, pop, can you sit? I just looked at her and I went, and she kinda of gave me th- those eyes and looked at me and I said, yeah, of course I'm gonna do that. And I sat down with her and I'm, we're shifting around and I, you know, I'm, I'm patting stuff and building it. She's dripping stuff on it to make it look cool and Rosie's punching it and beating it <laughs> to the ground because she doesn't want it to exist anymore. And while we're, while, we're, while we're doing that, she just looked at me and she says, Pop, you really love me. And our kids know that, right? They, they really do know that. Sometimes they know we love them when we have to be strong with them. I talked to one of my grandkids this week. and said, hey, you can't do that. And he started crying. I said, "Come I want to tell you why. I said, no, because your daddy got hurt doing the same thing. And I've gotten hurt doing the same thing. And I don't want to see you get hurt. Do you understand that? Yes, but I still want to do it. I said, I know that but I want you to know that I love you and I don't want you to get hurt. And I love you enough that I'm gonna tell you no because I really don't want you to get hurt. And I think as parents, as grandparents, there's an understanding that we could kind of, if you are a parent or a grandparent this morning, you get a little bit of tiny glimpse of the love that God has for you. But here's where it's separate that that we can't even comprehend. I, I could tell you how much I love my kids. I got four awesome daughters. I love my, grand, I love my uh, son-in-laws, I love my grandkids, and I could tell you about that this morning, right? But I could promise you, as much as, as I love our church family, and I do, and I pray for you, and I couldn't wait to get back to church this morning, looking forward to seeing you and spending time with you this week, all those different things, but I could promise you something. There's not one of you in here that I would let one of my kids or grandkids die for. But that's what God did. God gave his only son so that you and I can have a relationship with him. He demonstrated his love toward us, even though we were sinners, it says in Romans 5, 8. Christ died for us. So when we understand, and we say that, you know, God is love. God loves us. We know that. We get that. It's written all through this book that we're reading. Every single week, there's gonna be a verse in these passages that we're reading out of 1 John that talks about, that demonstrates the magnitude of God's love. You've heard it said many, many times, God is love. You've heard it said many, many times that God loves us. We agree and we know that that's true. But can you comprehend the fact that he loved you so much that he gave absolutely everything for you just for the fact that you could have forgiveness of sins in a relationship with him? One of the reasons for us to live an authentic life is is, is trying to embrace and understand that God loves us. The second thing, very simply, is that God's Son, Jesus Christ, died for us. He died for us. Uh, Verse number four, it says, whoever commits sin commits lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. That's why he came. Luke 19, verse number 10, it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. God's son, Jesus Christ, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, performed crazy miracles, spoke amazing, amazing messages, motivating people to give their lives to God. But but at, at, at the end of his short, short life of 33 years, the Bible says he laid his life down so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins, rose again three days later, proving that he was God's only begotten son. And why did he do that? Because he loves us. He paid my debt that I couldn't pay. He paid the debt in your life of your sin that you couldn't pay. Johnny said it very well this morning. He says none of us in this room are perfect, not one of us. Listen, just because you come to church doesn't mean you're any better than anybody that doesn't go to church. But the fact of the matter is, when we really understand the amount of grace that God gave us, the amount of forgiveness that he has for us, he's done that for you because he loves you even more than he loved his own self, And he wanted you to have a relationship with his father. Jesus came, first of all, to remove, you ready church? To remove sins from our lives. To totally eradicate them and take them away. And here's the thing about the forgiveness of sins. Jesus died so that your sins could be forgiven. And it's just an ask away for that to be true in your life. Like It's already there. The gift of God of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord is there in front of you and the only thing that you have to do is to receive that forgiveness and invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. And the second thing that Jesus came to do, he came to destroy our sins and he came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil's a rascal. The Bible says in 1 Peter, he's walking around this world like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. and. Um, if you know anything about predators, if you ever watched, I remember one of the things I would do before youth group when I was a youth pastor 100 years ago, Johnny, one of the things that we would do is we would show National Geographic videos of lions going after their prey and it would show a lion running after this gazelle or whatever it was and jumping on it and biting its neck and ripping its flesh apart and our teenagers would watch that going, yeah, they thought that was the greatest thing in the whole world, right? That is a picture of what Satan wants to do to us. That's what the Bible says. And the, and the thing is, when you think about a, a lion who's, who's walking around, he's not looking at a herd of gazelles. If this lion's looking at gazelles in the plains of Africa somewhere. He's not looking for the biggest, tallest, strongest, meanest gazelle that's out there. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for the gazelle that's limping. It's a little slow, maybe a little small. He's not looking for the one that's going to be the fastest runner. He's looking for the slowest runner. He's not looking for the strongest one. He's looking for the weakest one. And that's where Satan sees us too. Because here's the truth, church. Satan knows where we are weak. He's he's a very smart enemy. He's a very smart tactician. And he's not going to come after me with stuff, trying to pull me down in the same way that he's going to come after some of our students because they have different temptations than I do. You have different temptations from the person sitting next to you. But Satan knows what they are. He knows where you're weak. But the Bible says this, where you are weak, the Bible says what? God is strong. And if you cast your cares upon him because he cares for you, if you lean on him, if you talk to him and say, God, I need your help in this area of my life. And just be real. Listen, you're not going to say a prayer to God where God is going to be surprised at what you're going to say. You're not going to share a confession with God where you're going to take him back and he's going to go, oh my me. He's not going to do that. What he's going to do is he's going to say, I knew that and I've been waiting for you to ask for forgiveness because I long to forgive you of that sin. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Here's the third thing this morning. God, the Holy Spirit, a reason and a motivation for us to live an authentic life of following the Lord Jesus Christ is because this is such a beautiful picture of what God did for us. God's Holy Spirit lives with inside of us. If you read through the Old Testament, you see how God is pursuing man, right? And all throughout the Old Testament and the the history of the children of Israel, they struggled with polytheism. They just believed in everything and anything around them. They were very, very persuaded to believe in the gods of their enemies and, and, and things that just didn't exist because they wanted to be like everybody else. And then God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have a way to have our sins forgiven. In the Old Testament, sins were forgiven by the sacrifice of an animal because the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That's God's economic system. When you sin, you have to pay for it. And God said you have to pay for it in blood, not in your blood, but by the blood of the animal. And the Old Testament described that process of your sins being forgiven as covering your sin. But when Jesus came, In the gospels, the Bible tells us he came and died and poured out all of his blood so that our sin would be removed from us. Totally different than our sins being covered. But then Jesus left in the book of Acts and he told us in John 16 and 17, he's not gonna leave us comfortless. And what happened was when Jesus ascended back up into heaven, the Holy Spirit came down and the Bible says that those who believed in Jesus Christ were indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Now don't get freaked out by this. This is just Bible awesomeness, all right? In 1 Corinthians, the Bible tells us that you and I are the temple of God. Here's what it means. You are God's dwelling place and what lives inside of you when you have Christ inside of your life is his Holy Spirit. And, we, and I, know, I know sometimes, whatever background you may be, when people start talking about that Holy Spirit, oh, he's going to start dancing. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do something stupid, right? Or, or they're going to start talking about something that I'm not real from. Listen, God's Holy Spirit is just as much a part of God as God the Father and God his son Jesus Christ is. And when you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, it's because you've invited Jesus Christ to save you, forgive you of your sins, and live inside of your life. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, Right? So because of that, we have this like, extra layer of protection in our life. Because the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us convicts us of our sin, not to make us feel bad. People think religion's all about feeling bad. I had a friend that I invited to church a couple weeks ago. I don't wanna to come to church. If I come to church, I'm gonna be reminded of how bad I am. I said, dude, I don't need to be reminded how bad you are. I know how bad you are, and I'm just as bad as you are. God doesn't want you to have a relationship with him so that he can make you feel bad. Here's what he does. Because you have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and he gives you those little, you know, if you're a believer, you understand this. The Holy Spirit nudges you a little bit and says, no, shouldn't do that. You know better than that. How many of you have gotten a you know better than that Holy Spirit nudging in the last couple of weeks? Raise your hand up in the air. I have, uh-uh, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't say that, you shouldn't feel that way. And, and I, I, I just feel like this, this battle, this battle that's ensued right inside of me where I feel this conflict. And the conflict is my flesh and the Holy Spirit saying, don't you understand, you stupid idiot? Pardon my French, this is what the Holy Spirit says to me, okay? Don't you understand, you stupid idiot? What's at the end of that? Destruction, hurt, pain, embarrassment, this, 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 and this. Don't do it, but because you've already kind of stepped into it a little bit, ask for forgiveness of sins, and what happens? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts us to remind us to ask for forgiveness because God wants to forgive us because God wants to bless us. The Holy Spirit also helps us understand the truth. Do you ever read through the Bible and scratch your head and go, oh, it's mm, no, no, no. Well, don't do it in Leviticus, okay? That's a little harder to understand. But as you're reading through 1 John here, behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. I get that. The Holy Spirit helped me understand that God's love was so great, he gave his son so that I could be called one of his children. It's a privilege to carry the name of Jesus Christ. God the Father demonstrated his love for us. He gave his son Jesus. Jesus demonstrated his love by laying his life down. When Jesus left, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, convicting us of sin so we ask for forgiveness, helping us understand truth. And you know what else he does? He helps guide our lives, and this is important, when or if we're submitted to him. When and if. Because we aren't always submitted, are we? And here's the thing, sometimes we know, you know, sometimes we know the right thing to do. Not only because it's in the Bible or because your parents taught it to you because you heard it in church or because maybe you're doing a Bible study on your own or part of an awesome life group or coming to our Wednesday life group when we talk about marriage starting this week. All those different things, right, you may have in your life. But God's Holy Spirit says, hey, listen, this is better. This is better. That's when you understand what it says in Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet means it helps me to every single solitary step that I need to take in my life. And the illuminated path means you can have a long-term plan for your life if you're going the right direction, submitted to God and his Holy Spirit. He gives us all these tools, a reminder of God's love, an understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, An understanding of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life, and what 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 should that do for us? You know, I think about things that motivate me. Um, I'm, I'm very motivated that my grandkids see that I love their grandmom. That that really does motivate me. I want I want them to see us finish strong. You know. Logan's um, very, our granddaughter, Logan, who's gonna be six in August, can't even hardly believe that, she's very enamored by numbers. And she'll say, Pop, what's 600 plus 7,023? And I'll say, 7,623, you're really smart. And I said, no, I just got you fooled. And she'll say, Pop, how old are you? And I'll say, I'll say, well, I'm 50 years older than you. How old are you? She says, I'm six. I said, well, then how old is Pop? She says, 56, she said, okay. She says, how old are you gonna be when I'm 16? I said, okay, what's 16 plus 50? 66. She's really good with numbers. I wish she would slow them down a little bit though, right? So she said, you'll be 66. I said, very good, honey, it's very, very good. She says, pop, how old are you gonna be when I'm 46? I said, well, honey, more than likely, I'm gonna be with Jesus then. She said, well, I don't want you to go away. I said, I know. I said, but we won't be apart for each other for long. She says, we should just make today really, really good, shouldn't we? Six years old, right? But that's what the Bible says. We gotta make today count. How many days do we get to make count, Johnny? Today. Today's the day. Today's your day. Today's your day to overcome an addiction. Today's your day to overcome a struggle that you have in your life. Today's your day to ask God to forgive you and renew your heart. Today's your day. Would to God that we as adults would be as vulnerable and know. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The best sermon preached from this stage today was by you guys. Because we're watching you going, well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't get up there and say, I was, you know, my life was screwed up and this, 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 and this. Did you hear the words that these young people were talking this morning? They said these things because that's what. God, can, 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 I, can, can you imagine standing up here and sharing your life and being that authentic and being that open? We were challenged not only by their true faith and authenticity, we're challenged out of the Word of God to have our true faith and authenticity. So let's take steps in our life to live an authentic Christian life and not be counterfeit Christians. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are in our lives. I thank you for 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and the privilege of reading them, of studying them, of understanding them better, and what it means for all of us to live an authentic Christian life. Lord, I know that we can be great pretenders sometimes. We can put on our... We could put on our church clothes and shave and comb our hair and clean our car and carry a Bible and say amen and raise our hand up in the air and give money in the offering. But you, you know, God, every thought and every intention that's in our heart, you know whether or not we're living authentic Christian lives. And i don't say that in a judgmental tone, Lord, because I think all of us have to be careful of that all the time. But I pray in my life that I'm living an authentic Christian life for my wife, for my kids, for my grands, for my friends, for my church family, for, for people in this community, that I that I am the person that I said that I say that I am. That I'm not a fake or a phony. I pray that for every man and woman and every student that's in this room that we would. as as we're finishing the summer out and starting a new year and starting a new school year, Lord, that we would live authentic Christian lives in front of our peers, in front of people at work and people in our neighborhood, people in our families, that they would know the truth about us, Lord. And we would just be real, not perfect, not better, but we would be authentic. I pray that over every man and every woman in this room this morning. Father, if there's a friend that's with us online or in this auditorium this morning that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, You told us in your word that whoever, red, yellow, black, or white, rich or poor, messed up life, good life, whatever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I pray for a man or woman that might be with us this morning that needs Jesus in their life, that they would pray and ask for forgiveness and invite you to be their personal Savior, that today would be their day of salvation. And dear friend, if that's true about you sitting in this audience this morning or watching online, If that's true about you, if you know that you need to have a relationship with Jesus, can I invite you to pray with me? And your prayer is going to be worded like this. You're going to ask God to forgive you. You're going to invite Jesus to come into your heart to save you and ask him to be your savior and help you to live for him. And you can do that if you've never prayed like that before. I would just encourage you to repeat this prayer, not not to me or anybody else around you, but to God who knows every thought and every intention of your heart and who desires to save you today, would you call upon his name and ask him to save you? Just say this quietly right where you're sitting. Just say, dear God in heaven, I know that I'm a sinner. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for sending Jesus to forgive me and pay for my sins. Would you please forgive me of my sins and come into my life and save me? Dear God, please help me to live for you and to be authentic in front of people in the world so that they can be a follower of Jesus too. And then thank them. Say, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed with me this morning, invited Jesus to come into your life. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you or make you feel singled out or anything like that. Just want to thank God for the decision you made in your life today. If you prayed with me this morning, invited Jesus to come into your life, would you just real quickly and quietly just throw your hand straight up in the air? Go ahead and put it up there. Thank you very much. God bless you, dear friend. God bless you, bud. Anybody else this morning? Pastor, I prayed, invited Jesus. Thank you, buddy. I'm glad you're here today. God bless you. Thank you so much, Lord, for those that you spoke to today, for the three that invited Jesus to come into their lives, Lord. May they even be challenged by our students that are getting baptized, that they would would also... Uh, Get baptized in the next couple weeks in one of our church services, Lord, as a follower of Jesus Christ. We love you and thank you for it's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. Amen.